I'm Bug and I'm small. And I'm Craig and I'm tall. <laughs> Welcome to Small and Tall, where two best friends explore movies, franchises, and genres that wouldn't be covered on permanent good. Welcome to the Halloween Spooktacular! Welcome welcome so overall i do have to say i was not as spooked by the permanent good movies as i thought i was going to be so i i was a little bit more trepidatious going into these because i knew that these were going to be a little bit spookier um so this is going to be fun i think this is going to be fun to talk about um I do have to say one thing before we super get into it. Um, uh, your mom did reach out to me the other day. Um, and uh, she thinks that your ego has gotten a little too high and we need to get it into check. Um, because, you know, you've still been kicking my butt in Yahtzee. <laughs> and now you've made an appearance on the official Permanent Good podcast. So, you know, here you are thinking that you're a little too big for your britches and we have to knock you down a peg. Uh Craig, I think you're just jealous because you're not as good at Yahtzee as I am. And Maybe! The people love me, so... Yeah, well, listen, listen. This is not coming from me. This is coming from your mom. Heidi would never. Don't lie on Heidi's name. Okay, she wouldn't. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> listen, this is a place where we can just chill and relax and ex actually not relax because we're watching scary movies this month. <laughs> yeah, how, um, did, how did you deal with The Shining? Yeah, so just a real quick um, uh, cover of, the, of what we'll be talking about for this episode. We are going to start with the Shining, then we're going to move on to Beetlejuice, then we're going to talk about the fourth kind, and then we're going to wrap it up with Over the Garden Wall. In that order. So, starting with The Shining, I think that, so, The Shining is the second Kubrick movie I've seen. We watched A Clockwork Orange on Permanent Good, mm -hmm. famously did not like that movie, <laughs> <laughs> might might be one of our most notorious episodes, um, and so, I, I don't think I liked this one either. And not because it was spooky or scary. I think I just didn't like it. I think it's just not a great movie. I go back and forth on whether or not I like this movie or not. Because like I know for a fact that the book is entirely different than Kubrick's interpretation. And the fact that Stephen King actually doesn't like this movie. But also, I like the psychological sides of it, if that makes sense. Yeah, yes, I agree. So, The Shining, uh, in short, if you want a plot recap, Jack Nicholson plays a former teacher, now writer, who gets hired by a hotel in Colorado to maintain the premises while the hotel is closed because it closes during the winter season because too much snow falls on the road and they can't, you know, it would cost too much money to maintain the roads over the winter. So, they hire one person and his family to, um basically keep the place heated and make sure the building doesn't fall apart. And Jack Nicholson's character, who is also named Jack, is the person that is hired to do this. Uh, and we, that's pretty much the basic premise of it. Um, the isolation kind of gets to them. The kid has this super fun power. That's the shining is what it's called. That's why it's called the shining. And basically he has uh, an inner voice that talks to him and kind of uh manipulates his actions and emotions well it's kind of like 
his conscience to like keep him safe and it's like shows him premonitions of what's going to happen yeah and so this power gets explained to him by one of the staff at the hotel who also has the shining and and he goes on to explain that not only do some people have the shining but some places have the shining Mm -hmm. and and this staff member believes that the hotel has the shining and i think that this movie spends too long being boring i that's definitely one of the turnoffs is that it's very very slow like in permanent good you mentioned that halloween was slow and i was like oh you're gonna love the scary movie you picked for small and tall it's like it spends 90 minutes doing nothing like don't get me wrong i there are some cool moments in that first 90 minutes like i like there's a shot above the hedge maze Mm -hmm. that like kind of like slowly zooms down on it that is a beautiful shot like that shot could be a painting and there are just general moments of cinematography that i think save this movie and keep somebody going through to the good part i guess But in terms of, like, action or even character development, it is few and far between. It's definitely, it definitely takes you along with the characters on the very slow descent into madness. Yeah, and I also think that this movie doesn't do a great job at making the descent into madness slow. Like, they're just a normal family, then Danny goes into room 237, and then... It all hits the fan at once. So I think it would have been cool to see them kind of like bicker with each other even before they go into the room. Like, because everything bad that happens, happens after they go into the room. And And I feel like if we had just like a little bit of tension beforehand, it would have made everything else feel justified. And that's something that's like really different from the book. Because in the book, Jack is, like, this really, really good man who, like, very obviously turns bad. But when we see Jack in the movie, he's already, like, this shifty kind of guy to where some theories for this movie are that he was already insane before he even got to the hotel. Yeah, this movie goes out of its way to be, like, at the very beginning, it's like, Jack used to be an alcoholic. He used to hurt our son. But now he's five months sober and hasn't hurt us since. It's like, oh, so we know what he's capable of. Right, exactly. And... I listen. This movie gets intense. I like the 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 latter half of the movie is intense and it's good. I just kind of wish that it had that energy sooner in the movie. Yeah, I definitely agree. So, did you uh, pick up on what scene we were talking about in the episode of Permanent Good? (laughs) Kind of hard to miss that one. I'm I'm literally shocked that you did not know what that scene was. That it was familiar after I had seen it, but hearing you describe it with words, it just didn't click with me. Uh, okay. Also, there. Yeah. Can we talk about how I totally forgot about all of the dropped bombs of the n-word that ended up and hearing the n-word come out of jack nicholson's mouth made me incredibly uncomfortable and i was like okay you did not need to repeat that back you did not need to repeat that back yeah so there's a conversation that jack nicholson has with a hallucination and Uh, 
uh, you know, manifested by the shining of the hotel. And the guy's like, hey, your son is trying to get somebody else involved in this hotel. And Jack Nicholson's like, who's he trying to involve? And then he just drops a hard R. And I'm like, hey, no, wrong. You could have just said the chef. You could have just said the chef. We knew who you were talking about. For real. Like, okay, Kubrick, I see you. I see you. I don't I don't know if that's in the book though. If that's in the book then Stephen King, we need to have conversation. We need to have a conversation. You are a white man. You cannot put those words in your book. It's just like, listen, we need to have a conversation with Stephen King for a plethora of reasons. This is and, true. Uh, and the thing is, I think Stephen King is a self-aware enough man to where he understands maybe the things I did when I was on cocaine wasn't the <laughs> most tasteful of things. Yeah. But we need to make sure. But I will have a conversation with Kubrick regardless, because Ugh. everything I learn about Kubrick is against my will. And just like, I lose even more respect for him. Like, if you look into an ounce of what he did for Eyes Wide Shut, you'll be like, no human should do this. He should be tried posthumously. Yet, like, the fact that, okay, so the guy who played the chef in The Shining, Scatman, he was like on a Tarantino movie after this one and literally cried because Tarantino does things in one take, two takes, while Kubrick will sit there and make you do it a hundred times. And honestly, I think if you have to do something a hundred times, maybe you're not that great at it because you're not going to use the hundredth take. You're probably going to use the fifth one. Yeah, it's just like there's a there's a vision of perfection in a lot of these directors' minds. And it's just, it's frustrating because what they find to be perfection, I personally find to be bloated and like yes. self-congratulatory. Yes. So you have a two and a half hour character piece that does almost nothing for over half its runtime. It's like, this isn't about the movie anymore. This is about you. Exactly. Um. So after, I, there were so, I want to talk about some of the moments that I did like. Um, I think the first moment that like truly caught me off guard was, um, when Jack goes into 237, I think for the first time. Oh my gosh. And, and there's a woman in the bathtub. She gets out of the bathtub, walks over to him. They make out for like one second. He pulls away and she's just rotted. She's rotted. There's a rotted body in the bathtub. She's like like 30 years older. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't going to say that because, you know, that's objectification of women, but who cares if they're older or not? That's not at all. It's literally just character fact. She's turns into an older woman. She's like this young woman. And then all of a sudden she's just rolled up. She says old rotting corpse. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. (laughs) But just like that, like, I think that was a good reveal because they're the growth. I think it really towed the line of like, too grotesque but like it wasn't it wasn't too grotesque it was like just on that line 
Yeah, definitely. So that was a really cool moment. Um, There was also some really good sound design in this movie. I think that it played with sound like just well enough. And the scene that made me think about that is the first time Danny is uh, riding his bike in the hotel. Mm -hmm. And he he rides it through the kitchen into the lobby. And the lobby has, you know, like uh, area carpet, area rugs. And so just hearing it like patter against the wood floor then go silent then patter against the wood floor then go silent and i'm like all right even if this does nothing it is a cool little sequence definitely Uh, so that scene leads up to like one of my core memories because i think i previously mentioned that this is the first scary movie that i have recollection of watching and that's because i was supposed to be playing with my toys in the living room while my parents were watching this on the tv i wasn't supposed to be watching the tv i was supposed to be focused on my toys but i would like sneak glances up at the tv and when i saw those twins at the end of the hallway and then saw are they i don't know if they were twins because in the beginning it says that they're like a couple years apart but they they're dressed in the same clothes so like you see them at the end of the hallway and then you see them bloodied oh my god horrified me <laughs> horrified yeah, me yeah so those I'm, I'm gonna call them twins but like those twins are pretty um what's the word I'm, like like the, when you think of the shining you think of those twins right it, it's, yeah they're the staple yeah not that big a part of this movie mm-hmm. not not really involved like they're in like two scenes and they're not that scary could you imagine being a little kid though and then just seeing uh, yeah. these two girls at the end of the hallway going come play with us danny come play with us yeah definitely i think like in the like it's one of those things that if i was in the moment and it was happening to me sure scared out of my gourd but as far as like horror movies go i'm like this is pretty this is creepy but it's not like changing anything right um and i i think i i mean i don't even know if i would call this much of a horror movie at this Mm-mm. point there's definitely moments of suspense there's moments of like it's like a, you know sometimes it's a thriller i was gonna but, say but very rarely am i like oh my god i'm scared of what's gonna happen next yeah that's something that a lot of people say they're like why do people think Think this one's like actually scary like it's definitely more of like a psychological thriller than a horror or slasher type film yeah um i just want to say i give props to um jack's wife for just try doing the most trying her best <laughs> she was shelly duvall that's so great in this honestly and like knowing how she was treated during filming to like push her to get to that point oh my god props to her hats off to Shelley Duvall yes definitely um also she's the only person in this movie we see work on the hotel Mm -hmm. like Jack is the one that gets hired to do the hotel maintenance I don't think I don't think we see him do maintenance once no it's only her because he wants to be a writer and and she only and we only see her do it once she goes down to the boiler room for like four minutes not even for like 40 seconds and that's it like okay we did maintenance now we can move on so when jack has his break and she's like chasing her up the stairs and he does this monologue of like i got hired to do the maintenance i'm the one that has to i was trusted with the responsibility of the upkeep of this hotel i'm like but you haven't done it 
anything. <laughs> this You've is nothing. Done nothing. So I just I think this movie like. I would love to sit down. Actually, no, I wouldn't. But it'd be interesting to see what people do like about this movie. Because maybe it's just my taste. I just find stuff like this incredibly boring. I don't want to sit through an hour of normal life to make the break more like have a better payoff because I don't think it's usually worth it. And I, w- I, w- if this movie was going to be this long, I kind of wish it had been a little bit more gradual. So just like a, like a snap here and then a snap there, and then it starts to come tumbling down. But I really feel like that didn't happen. There was the one time that Jack snapped like before everything hit the fan was when he was like, I'm all right. Every time you walk in here, it breaks my concentration and I have to find it again. And I'm like, okay, calm down. (laughs) Yeah, it definitely like would have been at least because like if you look really closely, you can kind of see like smaller things like the calm before the storm type of deal. But having it be a little bit more obvious would have definitely appealed to more audiences. Yeah, Um, everybody knew. Hey, everybody knew that Hedge Maze was getting involved in the final chase sequence, right? Like when yeah. when when they're getting the tour and the tour and uh, what's his name, Allville, something like that, Allman, Allman. I don't, you know, as much is, as I do. Uh, he's like, here's the Hedge Maze. I wouldn't want to go in unless I had at least an hour to spare. These walls are 13 feet high. I'm like, oh, people are gonna be chased through that thing. And Absolutely. <laughs> lo and behold, and this movie has like. Uh, I don't know. I also don't like how this movie messes with time because it it starts off, you get a black screen that's like the interview. And then after the interview, it's one month later. And then after that, it's Tuesday. Tuesday? Where did we get Tuesday from? I think they got up there on like Monday. <laughs> so I think it's just like, th- this is all just nitpicky details. This movie isn't for me. I, I, I think this movie is super filmy. I think this is, this is an artist's horror movie. You know, if, if you really want to appreciate the film of film, like this is the movie that you're going to do it with. Definitely. Um, I did think though, the one thing about this movie that I felt was like proper horror was when Jack kills the chef. Like the chef walks in, he's like, Hey, is anybody here? And then Jack just like bursts from around a corner and then just like puts it right in his chest, put the ax right in his chest. I'm like, all right, this, this is the energy I wanted. Yeah. Like that. And then like, Right before then, when, like, he's breaking down the doors with the axe. Like, that's, like, the peak of the movie. And there's still, like, 15 minutes left. Iconic. Iconic. (laughs) And, uh, (laughs) and when the mom and Danny are in the bathroom and she's just, like, trying to fit through, like, a two-foot window, I'm like, oh, sweetie. Oh, sweetie. I think she <laughs> no, could have fit. She wasn't trying hard enough. I, I think she could have, too. I think she could have, too. Pure, well... Because the window was open at two different levels, depending on what shot we were looking at. Yeah. Because I think it was smaller when we were in the bathroom, but when we were outside, the window looked to be open like a little bit more. And I'm like, you can do that. You You can do do that. Come on. Come on, sweetie. Let's go. You can do it. 
And then, like, the juxtaposition of Jack, like, running through the maze and then giving up. Mm-hmm. And the smash cut, literally a smash cut to him frozen to death. It's a joke. It seems more like a joke than anything else. Because I've seen that screenshot, that frame has been used for so many memes, but and like there's nothing like creepy about it it's just like oh he froze to death like an idiot yeah <laughs> pretty much i ragged on this movie pretty hard <laughs> yeah you've you've torn this one to to shreds here greg yeah, so here, here's the thing. I don't think it's terrible, you know? I, it's better than the other films I've seen, specifically for this podcast. Um, do you have anything else that you want to say before we give ratings? I do not. Okay, this is like a flat six for me. I appreciate the artistry. There are definitely cool moments, but what everyone else sees... I do not see. I was going to say this is like a six and a half for me, personally. Sure. Definitely, definitely. Now, Beetlejuice rocks, though. Yo, (laughs) Beetlejuice? Beetlejuice rocks. Beetlejuice is my favorite and was my fall pick for this episode. And I'm so excited that we get to talk about it. Like, here, so... I am incredibly familiar with the Beetlejuice musical. I like that soundtrack was my soundtrack of 2019. Um, But I had never watched the movie. Like I knew the basic premise. (laughs) This is what happened. I listened to the soundtrack a few times and I'm like, okay, I need to read the synopsis so I can understand the music better. So I read the synopsis and I'm like, okay, okay. uh, Handbook for the dead. uh, You know, this and that. Sandworms? Sandworms. Sandworms? Sandworms. Sandworms. (laughs) And so... I just think knowing I kind of knew what I was getting into with this movie. I knew it was goofy and silly and it, it lived up. It it lived up to what I wanted it to be. Like I from, genuinely don't know how it took you this long to see this movie. So what a great question. I don't know either. I think <laughs> I think I wanted to save it for a special occasion. Like I wanted to watch it either with somebody and then we started doing the podcast. I'm like, all right, we need to save it for the podcast podcast then um and this and this opportunity presented itself so it's it's good um if you don't know the premise of beetlejuice uh two people die uh and they are and they basically have to haunt their house until they can be like until they can be sent to the afterlife and these people move into their house that they are not a fan of so they try to haunt them to get them to leave it's basic premise yes and then Beetlejuice is involved because he they go to him to help and things get out of hand fast. Yeah. And Beetlejuice, man, my voice is cracking like I'm 12 years old. This is like the third time it's cracked. Clear your throat. Um, no. Do it. No. Do it. <coughs> <coughs> Okay. <laughs> um, Beetlejuice. I'm. Tr- I'm trying to think. What other? What other character do I want to compare him to? I don't know. But where the hell did Michael Keaton pull this character from? Because it's like none of the other characters we've ever seen him play. Really. Yeah, and he's so good at it. He's so like, good at it. <laughs> like I like Michael Keaton. I know he can be funny, but by no sense of the imagination would I ever call him a comedian. But 
this movie, it's some of the best comedic acting I've ever seen. Just genuinely ever. Best comedic acting. He, like, he knows when to play it straight and he knows when to go completely off the wall. Exactly. And give me a second here. I'm like, yeah, he improvised most of his lines in that film as well. Yeah, definitely. And you can tell just because there's lots of, you know, pop culture references, you know, pop culture for 1985 or 1988. But um, it's just, yeah, lots of pop culture references, lots of just stuff that you can't imagine people writing. Like, this is stuff that just goes with the flow. And it works so incredibly well. And he's like, he pushes the line perfectly of being this gross little poltergeist man who's like creepy and gropey but like he totes that he toes that line like just enough yeah definitely because you know he's super pervy he's always trying to hit on barbara or lydia and he just does like he does everything in his power to be as like crazy as possible but could you imagine being dead and watching someone just move into your house that you absolutely love and change literally everything. That would be so wild. Like, I'd be so mad. I get why ghosts, like, sometimes will just throw all your stuff off the counter. I'd do that too. I'd be like, screw you for changing my wallpaper. <laughs> and, like, <clears throat> the house wasn't that bad. It was, uh, and because um, Catherine O'Hara's character is like an artiste. So she wants to, you know, she's super abstract. She wants to do, you know, uh, she wants to mess with the house. She wants to turn the house like pretty much into a, into a, like a big art piece. And Barbara and Adam are like, hey, this sucks. <laughs> this specifically sucks. This Sucks. She's the type of artist who takes her husband's sweater and wears it as pants with suspenders. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And th listen, they made some nice renovations to the house. I will say that fun little balcony seating area that they added. I love that. I love that. I would not be upset about that. But everything else, I can understand. Also, shout out to her husband for just being the most supportive husband in the world. He's just like, <laughs> just leave me this one room. Just this one room. Whatever you want, sweetie. And like, it makes me so sad because that was just a set. Like the house wasn't an actual house. Like they literally built that entire thing just for it to be torn down at the end. Kind of like the Practical Magic house. Yeah. Would you live in that house? Would, would you buy that house? Yeah. Would you buy that house just for what it like what it represents? Just because it's the Beetlejuice house? No, because I also really liked the architecture of the house. Okay, sure. Yeah. Um. Also, do people have attics? Like, I don't. Yeah. Like, I don't think I've ever had an attic like that before. That's just you go up all the stairs and like it's just like another room. I've never had an, an attic be another room. All my attics has just been more storage space. One of my college roommates, her room was in the attic of her house. That like is her cool, bedroom, right? I also, I also think uh, lofts are cool. I had I a friend lofts. in, I had a friend in middle school that had a loft bedroom, and I'm like, this is super cool. Ah, uh, it's like you're above the house, but not really. Exactly. Um, I think this movie does a very good job at balancing the dead stuff with the living stuff. Yes. Be 
so every time this movie's only 90 minutes as was part for the course of movies of this time so we were not in the underworld or like that little office area we were not there very long maybe 15 20 minutes tops but every time we went back there it felt like a treat because everything still felt unique and it felt special and it was it was super cool every character had um a design unique to them it was you know meant to represent how they died and so you see like six or seven characters that are dressed and makeup completely different from everybody else and i think that it created a really cool atmosphere that gave um everybody room to play with when they were down there it it just created a super fun atmosphere i liked how it like made how the movie made jokes about how you know if you take your own life then you become a civil servant in the afterworld and then like you can see how these people died and like the civil servants like the lady behind the desk and like the guy who's like on the hangar and all that stuff and it's just really funny and it's like all those characters like you blatantly see like how they died and then there's the Maitlands who drowned but they're not wet and that's literally just because they didn't want them to have to be wet the entire time while they were filming but which I'm okay with yeah I'm okay with and like but then there's also like the what what's her name or is it Joe what'd you do What'd you do? I spilled my box of cheese in. Oh, They're no. all on the carpet now. Oh, no. I'm going to have so many crumbs. We got to get the vacuum. Oh, man. I'm about to become a civil servant. Oh, my God. All right. I'll take care of that after the recording. <laughs> oh. Juno. So, like, Juno's character, she's, like, this lead lady of the afterlife or whatever. And, like... You don't see how she died, unless it was from her smoking, because we just see her smoking all the time, so I'd assume that. No, you actually do see how she killed herself, because when she smokes, the smoke doesn't come out of her mouth, it comes out of a hole in her neck, or a gash in her neck. Oh yeah, that's right, that's right. So, she slit her own throat. That's true. And it... And it's like the way you talk, the way we talk about this, it sounds like this movie is super like dark and gruesome. It's not. It's like it teeters that line. (laughs) Like they bring it up for like a sense of world building, but they don't dwell on it. It's not um, it's not the center focus. It's not like people are talking about suicide a lot. It's just it's an aspect of the movie that we recognize and carry on with. Exactly. And Winona Ryder Winona Ryder. The queen. The queen. Love her with all my heart. Yes. 10 out of 10. Love her. And this is like her first, like this is her breakout role, right? I believe so. Yeah. So she just, she does a fantastic job. She is like with a critical eye for like just a second. Like you can tell it's her breakout role. Like some of the acting, like, you know, there's a little to be desired, but for the most part, like she nails the aesthetic. She nails the emotion. She nails like the general vibe. Um, I like, I think that maybe some of the deliveries could be better. But, like, for a breakout role, she's doing pretty good. She's literally, like, the icon for the edgy Tumblr girl, especially with the I myself am strange and unusual yes. line. Like, iconic. Yep. Love it. 
love it personally. Don't care how stereotypical it makes me. Love that line. Love her character. Lydia Dietz, love her. Yeah, I think, um, also, just talking about Iconic, the dinner party scene the banana fantastic. boat scene is my li- one of my literal favorite scenes in any movie ever like i love that scene so much <laughs> like it's corny it's silly it's stupid but all the performers double down on it like you so see good. perform you see per- like there are people in this movie that like are only in this movie for this scene and so it would kind of make sense for them to be like in- not really give it a- their all because it's not their movie but they do it's weird and it's stupid but in the best way possible and i love that like you can see it like they're so good at acting this out because like you see it like in their eyes that they're like what is going on what is going on but then at the same time they're like oh wait this is fun yeah like they have it's the duality of of what I i noticed something very similar where it's like you know they have the panic in their eyes and the smiles on their faces exactly I think that this scene is just, it's iconic for a reason. It lives up to what it should be. Um, And I think all the Beetlejuice moments are also very cool. Um, When he first turns into the snake and just like terrorizes the house for a hot second. Like, that's wild. That's crazy. Like the complete aesthetic change that happens when Beetlejuice is in the room is iconic. (laughs) Like that's the only way I can describe it. Yeah, it's like, um, I kind of think a little bit of like Riddler vibes of just like Jim Carrey's Riddler. Mm -hmm. Like if, if, if Michael Keaton wouldn't play Beetlejuice, I imagine Jim Carrey could, right? Yeah, Like they carry very similar vibes, just off the wall, high energy, let's get it done. It gives off uh, Jim Carrey's The Mask vibes, almost. That's what I was thinking of. That was the character I was thinking of. Beetlejuice is literally just a spooky mask. Kinda, yeah. Because he pulls magic out of nowhere. He does it for comedic effect. And like, he has that supernatural element pulled in. So and he's if a perv. You, yes. <laughs> so if you like movies like The Mask, you will like Beetlejuice. Because it's the same tone of movie with a little bit less just, you know, Tommy Gun Massacres. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, so this is the thing that I was thinking about while watching this movie. This movie does not need to be, like, remade in term or, like, rebooted or anything. What I would like to see, though, I don't think this is possible, but if there was a way to get, like, all the film aspect or assets, rather, mm-hmm. and separate them from the CGI assets and replace them with modern CGI. Now, not talking modern, modern CGI. I just think that... The CGI from the 80s is almost a little too dated, even for a movie this campy. Right. But but if we could get some, like, 2008 CGI in there, I think that would make the movie a lot better. Just, like, from, like, a modern perspective. Because um, those scenes on Saturn are rough. They're rough. And um, 
there was like rumors that they were going to create a Beetlejuice 2 and I know that there was one in production for a minute but then in 2019 they like officially shelved it so you don't even have to worry about that. Yeah so that that's kind of really the only like super big gripe on a technical aspect. Um, I think the puppets are cool. Um, Like I'm pretty sure that the Beetlejuice snake was a puppet. It looked like a puppet. Um, yeah. And uh, all the practical effects that happen in the underworld i think those are super cool so cool um like specifically the the hanging man that got run over like he like that practical makeup is like oh that is so good the small head very good the um that sliced in half body that's sitting on two sides of the couch like the practical effects in this movie are so good which is why i wouldn't want to mess with that stuff if we could literally just like redo all the green screen stuff i that would make this movie so much better and i love how like like you're saying the practical effects i love how also including that is like the lighting and how like the lighting changes with like really well with like the move in the the mood in the atmosphere sphere yeah, of mm-hmm. what's going on because like you know like it's light and everything's bright before the Maitlands die and then they die and everything gets dark and then the Dietzes are changing everything and they like make everything all dark and mystical and whatever but then like as like and then like the underworld is still like these bright lights and like spooky smoky and all yeah. that stuff but then like up in the attic where it's still like the Maitland's area it's still pretty bright yeah and with the underworld like it's dark because it's the underworld but it's still colorful like yeah. there are green and purple lights um there are people with blue skin like i think that the, you're right the the lighting and the colors do a fantastic job and then like at the end of the movie when beetlejuice is trying to marry lydia um the way that it <laughs> the way it just kind of looks like um a scene from like a haunted house it looks like it's with, straight out of haunted mansion yeah and they have like the, the i think it's like really the only time that just pure red is used yes um i think that is super cool lydia's red dress is super cool when they're in the miniature set when they're in the miniature set i think that that is super cool the the part where they're like um, digging up beetlejuice's grave like you see that it's like the fake grass and like they're digging through the cardboard and stuff so cool it's like a scene from the lego movie yeah it's it's so cool and um how adam crashes the car or how beetlejuice crashes the car and like it's just like a little toy car that is (laughs) so cool um I, i i think that there's so much about this that is done well um it, it it is this is a movie that i would not re- like i would have no resistance to watching this movie regularly if this became an annual halloween tradition like i would not put up a fight this movie rules can we talk about a message you sent me while you were watching this movie okay so i don't even have to ask what you're talking about because i know because i was gonna talk about it (laughs) of the things that i expected from this movie i expected a lot from this movie but this movie still managed to to find a way to surprise me because alec baldwin is cute in this movie 
I Alec like Baldwin, Baldwin is handsome. He's like really cute in this movie. Like, I don't think that modern day Alec Baldwin is cute. And I don't know if that's just a product of age or what have you. Like, he was in a rom-com with Meryl Streep oh, like oh, a while ago. And I'm just like, why is Alec Baldwin the lead in a rom-com? Right. But like looking back on this movie, I'm like, yeah, I get it. The get the it. thing the thing he does where he like rests his glasses at the tip of his nose and like is always looking over them. I'm Ugh. like, Alec, you can't do this to me. It is eleven AM <laughs> His hair is so luscious on top of that. You're just like, oh And then you got like the the um flannel button up with an undershirt both both tucked into his jeans and I'm like, Man, why? This just in Craig has a thing for dads. Craig has a thing for dilfs. <laughs> I don't know. That that's a pretty exact label that I'm not willing to claim quite yet. Um so listen, Alec Baldwin, if I ever time travel to the eighties, <laughs> I hope your DMs are open. <laughs> the internet doesn't even exist. <laughs> That was the joke. I know. <laughs> ah. God. God. Oh, so uh, now we've just resorted to mocking me, Gregory. Me mock you? Never. It's like 90% of my life, guys. You don't understand. It's like 90% of my life, guys. You don't understand. Next topic. <laughs> I'm giving this movie an eight and a half. This movie rules. I was going to give it a nine, personally. Yeah, this is good stuff. Good stuff. Would recommend. I have so many Beetlejuice decorations that I put up around Halloween. I plan on getting a Beetlejuice tattoo, so you know exactly how much I love this freaking movie. Yeah. Um. Also, I'm a little disappointed. We said his name like 400,000 times, and he still has not shown up. I know. Come on. Get it together. Get it together. <laughs> All right, now we're going to move on to our second horror movie for the episode. This is The Fourth Kind, starring Mila, should have looked up her last name, from, uh, you might know her from the Resident Evil movies. Um, This movie is different. This movie is very different. Is that a good different or a bad different, Gregory? (sighs) I've yet to decide. So here, here's the deal with the fourth kind, if you're not familiar. So the movie starts with Mila Jovovich. I looked it up. That's how, that's how Google <laughs> says. With uh, Mila Jovovich, out of character, addressing the camera, being like, hey, this is what the movie's about. All right. We have this archival footage from, you know, October of 2000 in this remote city of Alaska where this sleep psychologist was interviewing patients and they seemed to get possessed. So she took them under hypnosis to try to figure out what happened and they would get possessed again. Like uh, nobody really understands what happened in this village. Uh, The FBI has been been here more times than any other city in Alaska, even though it is, you know, has a population of like a thousand. So we took the archive footage and the audio of like, um, audio notes and whatnot. And we're, and like me and other actors are going to portray these scenes for you. So the whole movie is like a mishmash of, you know, quote unquote, real you know, therapy sessions with acted out scenes and real quote unquote audio 
played over that as well. It's a it's a very weird thing to describe. It's a lot of mishmashing of like documentary versus real movie. Yeah, it's it's kind of like it's a found footage film where they recreate the scenes professionally and fill in the blanks in between. Yeah, and the, and like in the same scene, they will cut between the found footage and the recreated scene. Which is really or cool. Or they'll have them like side by side. Yeah, I think it is cool. I don't know. I don't know if I think it worked or not. I like we watched this movie about a week ago. And I'm still thinking about if I liked this, if I liked the presentation or not. Well, I think the issue is that we watched it in the middle of the day because I was like, I don't want Craig to get too scared. We're already going to a haunted house tonight, so I was like, we'll watch it while it's still light out, and we'll watch it while all the fam's here and everything's going on. So it makes it a little less spooky. But I think we should have waited until it was dark out to watch it. Yeah, because I was not afraid of this movie in the slightest. Yeah. And it's not Um, one that, like, the thing is with this movie is it's not one that, like, like, there's a couple jump scares throughout it, but it's not one that you're scared of when you're watching it. It's one that stays with you in your subconscious. Yeah, and because there are lots of, like, freaky moments, and, you know, I think a lot of it comes down to if you choose to believe the found footage or not, right? Because if you're taking it at face value as like, you know, this is movie, all of this is movie, it's nothing more than like a cool presentational device with a few freaky moments along the way. But if you're one of the, if you're one of those people that like would believe something like this, then yeah, it'll resonate a little bit deeper because uh, some of that, some of those found footage moments are like really creepy and kind of scary, but... uh, I wasn't super sold by the found footage thing. There were a few parts that were like, this is too cinematic. This feels a little cinematic. Um, Right. Especially like at the end. Dude, the end was whack. The final (laughs) shot of the movie is whack. It's wild. Because um, this whole movie kind of like centers around uh, an interview, kind of like a 60 Minutes style interview that the psychologist does. And, you know, this is five, six years after like the incidents happen. And she's talking, you know, it's like a normal interview. And then the final shot is like cuts to like a wide shot of the interview. And I don't know if it's supposed to be like a plot twist or a dramatic reveal, but now she's in a wheelchair when she wasn't for the rest of the movie and i'm like this is i don't know if this was supposed to be a reveal but it's weird no because what happens is okay so first of all you mentioned people getting possessed they don't get possessed by like demons with this movie it's aliens like it's alien contact that is what the premise of this is is interactions with the fourth kind where you're taken and abducted by aliens right and so at the end she is put under hypnosis because she's like i need to because her daughter gets taken by these aliens and she's like i need to know what they are and so earlier we see the dude in the bed who's like possessed by this alien spirit entity thing and like he uh lifts up off the bed and like breaks his back or breaks his neck or whatever or is like dead. I don't know if he dies. I can't remember if he dies or if he's in the they, hospital. I think they mentioned that he gets like paralyzed from the neck down. Right. And the same thing happens to her. We see her doing the same thing in the inner where she's getting hit 
when she's under hypnosis. Like, she's on the couch, and her, she's lifting up, and her back is bent, and her jaw is all wide and crazy, and then she's in the hospital. And so after that, it was like, okay, her time under hypnosis paralyzed her as well, just like okay. the other dude. Yeah, it, it was just revealed in such, like, a very... It was like a... It, it almost felt like a gotcha moment, but I'm like, this is... This feels normal. This feels like a very normal thing. I took it more of, like, it was kind of, like, confirmation that she had a similar experience because, like... Sure, yeah. Instead of it being like, oh, she survived and she's fine, even though she had the same thing happen to her as this dude. Like, no, they ended up the same. Yeah. Um, I, I want to talk about it from uh, a movie aspect for a little bit. Um, the... <sighs> The actor who played the sheriff, mm-hmm. not a great actor. Wasn't a fan of him. He was a little, he came on a little too strong there. Yeah, uh, the, the the sheriff's name is August. I think that's his last name. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he came on really strong. He just like his... His deliveries were super weird. He, like, was sometimes sympathetic, but then sometimes, like, super hard, put my foot down. And I, I, I don't know, from, like, a character perspective, he was a poorly written character. He was in, he was weirdly involved. Yeah, like, he was there just to cause problems and add tension. Like, that was his only, his only point. Because he was like, stop putting these people under hypnosis. Because one dude killed his family after you put him under hypnosis. And then it's like, okay, like... And that's another thing, like... (laughs) I don't know. Another thing that, like, makes me question this movie's, you know, base in reality is, like, this movie is rated PG-13, okay? Even though they blurred the shot, they showed this dude kill his family and himself. Like, it's pretty, like, they blurred it, did not do much. No. And I'm and I'm like, there is no way that something like this would have gotten a PG-13 rating if it was, if it was just straight up real. Well, this is why I didn't want you to look at the IMDb, because I didn't want you to look at the cast list, because when you look at the cast list, you see... The people who were casted for the found footage roles. Yeah. So, (laughs) which is really, like, I I feel like this movie could have been so much better if it didn't try to sell itself as a real story. Yeah. Because I think the presentation... If it had gotten a little bit more fine, if there was a little bit more fine tuning in there, could have been very good. I think that that presentation style is incredibly unique and um under and under the right circumstances could have provided a very creepy horror story. But it, it felt like they were riding too hard on the gimmick itself to take the time and make sure that both sides were comprehensive and like they needed two things that could stand on their own but when meshed together make it better and you know that is not the case with either of the aspects of this movie i think this film or movie whatever you want to call it gregory uh (laughs) i think it took too long to get to the really meaty parts like it was a lot of investigation and like plot set up and like you know monologue 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 yeah i have a very similar note that's just like 
they wanted us to understand the gimmick so fast. Like, or they wanted, they really wanted us to understand the gimmick. So the first act of this movie is just like found footage scene, found footage scene, found footage scene. And I'm like, okay, we get it. Oh my God, we get it. Oh my God. But I feel like, like I mentioned, like it's about aliens, but like they hint at it, hint at it, hint at it. And then you don't get any like actual like alien stuff until like maybe 30, 45 minutes left. Yeah, because once um, Dr. Tyler is the is the main character of this movie, once she goes under hypnosis, like things get real and things get good after that. Like things are cool after yes. that. Um, and like even when um, she brings in like another colleague to start like translating some uh, some language like that was neat. Um, I wish and, they had known more because they only yeah. knew like a couple words. And I'm like, no, I want to know what it's saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so the scene, the thing that they're translating is a, is like an audio, is a found audio clip of, um, what it's of Dr. Tyler first getting like, you know, she's the one speaking this alien language and she starts screaming and there's this weird second voice that's going on in the background. It's, that is a loud scene. All in all, loud scene. Yeah. And and also, they had, you know, they recreated the scene and then had the audio play over it. And so it's just a scene of Mila Jovovich just staring at a staring at a tape recorder with screaming going on in the background and it's like two minutes of that and i'm like are we just listening to this woman scream for two minutes is is this the movie (laughs) like did this need to be that long um but Gregory. oh okay yeah you haven't answered the biggest question what's the biggest question do you believe in aliens yeah i'm i mean yes i don't know if i believe in aliens in this sense Right. In the sense that they're hiding from us and they're trying to take people here and there and they're going into small towns to observe our whatever, whatever. Um, You know, the the universe is infinite. And to think that we are the only life form ever is naive and narcissistic. Um, So I think that there is, you know, another form of life out there. But I don't know for sure if it's aliens as we know it. I feel like if they're here, we'll never truly know. And that they probably, if they have the technology to be here, they probably have the technology to make themselves look like us. So That's we'll fair. never know. <laughs> That's fair. Um, <laughs> I do really like alien abduction stories, though, so... Part of me truly yeah. believes in it, I guess. Uh, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, I, I, I want to talk one more thing about the movie, and it's her son. There is no way a real child talks like her son did. He's such a right? brat. He's, he's such, a, such brat. a brat. And he's asking, like, emotionally intelligent questions that most 21-year-olds don't understand. There's no way a 9-year-old understands it, because... Like, he says stuff like, maybe it's, maybe if you, uh, like, I forget what exactly he says, but like, you're the reason that dad, like, dad went away or dad died. And then, um, 
He just asks like a billion hardball questions. I tried finding some online, but believe it or not, not too many people are uh, writing down quotes from Tommy Tyler. He um, got so mad at her for literally asking who he was playing in his football game. Because he was like, Dad never forgot when I told him. And yes, I was like, okay, I can't it. remember yeah. what I ate for dinner last night, so shut up. Yeah, and... It- <sighs> It was so frustrating. Like, like maybe that's why dad died. Or, like, uh, maybe if you were around more. I'm like, you're nine. Shut up. Oh, right. my God. Like, please, <laughs> sit down. Yeah, that kid was, he was trying my patience. Truly. Um, now, I do want to say, I want to talk about the creepy parts of this movie. Because there were a few. Um, I, I think, you know, I'm still, while I was still along for the found footage ride, you know, when that first guy, you know, creates that hostage situation and we're kind of like cutting between the found footage and like the recreated hostage negotiation that was a pretty cool sequence yeah like take that into isolation that's a pretty cool sequence um I I just can't. the thing that I thought about is if you get a call at two in the morning and you're like, there's a hostage situation. How dressed do you get? Oh, I just put on some pants and go. Yeah, like <laughs> I am grabbing the first cl- the first pants, the first shirt and my sandals. And I'm hoping that somebody has a jacket I can borrow. <laughs> Pretty much. I'm hoping I have a sweater in the car. Like I can't imagine like, oh, man, there's a hostage negotiation. Got to put on the foundation. Make sure the eyeshadow is right. Put on my pantsuit. Yeah, like, no, you are, like, it is robe city. Literally, I am running out the door. I will have two different shoes and everything. So, I I just, so that sequence was cool. I also thought um, the found footage sequence with Dr. Tyler, where she's put under hypnosis, Mm -hmm. and it gets all, like, you know, there's something to be said about, you know, oh, of course it went staticky during the important parts, like, duh, but... But then when she came back and like the the found footage kind of like stopped being staticky, it went like you zoom in on her face and like her eyes and mouth are staticky. Yeah, they're and like that, w- widened and like, oh, that got under my skin. That was that was genuinely freaky. Where it's like, you know, the found footage up to this point had not been scary. It was um, it, it was trying to reinforce, you know, a not apparent authenticity. But um, a- anything freaky that we saw was in the recreated scenes. You know, <laughs> um, there was um, an interpretation of what those abduct- ab- abductions. abductions kind of looked like you know with like the blue lights and the owl don't get me started on this owl that was creepy Um, the owl is creepy the owl was creepy and you know that had a bunch of like blue lighting and some special effects and whatnot so you know that's fine whatever um then so to finally have this scene that's like oh the found footage itself is kind of creepy and kind of scary. That, that I think saved the third act of this movie. Definitely. So when everybody wakes up at 2.30 to 3.30 in the morning, or you see a white owl in the woods while you're on a walk, maybe consider that you might be in contact with something else. And if you are, don't call Mila Jovovich. (laughs) 
Also, um, if you uh, surprising absolutely no one, uh, the 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 city that they go to, the city that this takes place is called Nome, Alaska, N O M E, mm-hmm. and um, believe it or not, uh, the people of Nome not a fan of this movie. <laughs> Um, there are because, a lot of the FBI investigations there, though. Yes, that part is true. I looked into it, and ev- and like pretty much everyone from Nome is like, yeah, it's because everybody got super drunk and died of hypothermia. Stop <laughs> bringing it up. Like we don't want like, to talk about it. Yeah, it's like guys, we know that everyone here is depressed. That's kind of the end of it. Stop it. <laughs> Stop oh thinking we're aliens. <laughs> Which, like, hey, fair, fair. Craig, let's go visit Gnome and see if we can get abducted. Um, let's see. I'm on their uh, website right now. Um, not seeing a tab for tourism. So we might be in for the long haul. Oh, wait, found it. Visit Gnome. Ah, yeah, not mentioning, a- not mentioning any aliens here. Well, they're not gonna. Like, well, we just have to go and see. Well, some places take that stuff in stride. Like, you know, the entire, like, perimeter around Las Vegas is just, like, alien city central. I don't think they so. keep them there anyway. <laughs> well, They're in Ohio. They're at Dude, a facility in Ohio. Man, I sure hope so. Because it got, it got too hype. And so, like, if you know, they got to move them. So, like, they're like, oh, yeah, let's focus on them being at Area 51. Ooh, Area 51. But really, they're just in or, a rural town in Ohio. Or that's what they want us to think. They're like, oh, they're going to think that we've moved them when in reality, we never touched them at all. I don't know. No, because then there's still all the hype around there. So, like, they're like, okay, we can let them raid Area 51, but there's nothing here. There's literally, we're telling you there's nothing here and there's literally nothing here. And they're just in, like, Kansas or something. But I low-key think that they're in Ohio. <laughs> I think, you know, let's go Let's go hunting. There's a whole theory about it. I'll send it to you. Okay. Um. Do you have a rating for this movie? Like six and a half. Okay. Um. I'm giving this a flat five. I think that this could have been a different movie, like you said, if we had watched it under more horror-y conditions. Um, but I don't know. Maybe I'll give it a. No, I won't. I won't give it another shot. <laughs> this, is, this is where <laughs> I was going to say, you're not going to watch me. it anymore. No. All right. Um, but we do have our final thing to talk about. And we broke from form a little bit and we watched a, a miniseries called Over the Garden Wall. And listen, gay people love this show. <laughs> <laughs> every Halloween, every October, all, all the LGBT people on my social media page, they're like, Watch over the garden wall. And I'm like, fine, I'll do it for content. There's so many pumpkin people pictures. So many pumpkin people. Now, this uh, is a 10-episode miniseries, each episode about 10 minutes. And it centers around uh, two boys, one named Wirt and one named Greg. And they get lost in the woods. And the whole show is about them trying to find their way home. Except along the way, they keep encountering more and more mystical and fantastical creatures and it's Um, so good (laughs) it is it is genuinely good 
Now, I had the same critique of Squid Game. Cut it, give it to me. I could cut three episodes out of it. Craig, do you know how many episodes this was supposed to be? No, I don't. It was supposed to be, let me get the actual number again real quick, but it was supposed to be way more than it was. And it was actually supposed to, like the first series was supposed to be way more episodes than it was. And it was supposed to be a multi, multiple series, multiple season series. Uh, let me see. An 18 episode season. Okay. See that if it was if it did manage to like spawn a TV show, then that would be something else, you know. But unfortunately, we cannot critique it on what it could have been. We can only look at it at what it is, and there are no. But what I'm saying is they they already cut it down from 18 episodes into just the 10, (laughs) so they cut out eight, and you're like, I could cut out three more. (laughs) Well. Honestly, it would have been better if there were more because I think that this show had a problem with it. There were times where it wanted to focus on a plot and there were times where it didn't like um, the third episode with the with the animal school. Cut it. Just cut it. Uh, Like it was was, cute. It was cute. But I was the previous two episodes were like, let's go home. We got to focus on getting home. We found this woodsman and like (laughs) so i felt like going from like very much we have an objective and we want to do this objective to work being like no i'm not gonna do what you say and then like going to this animal school i'm like all right this is a very this is a tone shift guys guys are we okay yeah it was it was definitely like it definitely had its difficulties like like it kept me interested but I think it's because, like, with everybody else who watched it when it, like, originally came out, it was, like, weekly, you know? And then we're all watching uh, it, I looked it up. I looked it up. There were two episodes a day for a week. Oh, that's what it was. Interesting. But that doesn't... That's confusing with the trivia that I read about it. But anyway, continue. And I'm thinking that, like, that would have been a cool format to... I I imagine that would have been a cool format to watch it in, right? Um, I feel like... We kind of caught the short end of both sticks where um, watching it day to day would be a cool experience. Or if they had cut it into like a movie because people because like sometimes they'll do that where, you know, if you have a a short miniseries, people will just cut that into a movie and like remove all the episode tags and the credits, save those for the end. Like if we had a cut like that, that also probably would have been good for this uh, format. So I I think just like 10 minute bites, watching them back to back to back with an intro and credits every time is like, it makes it difficult to binge watch and it makes it difficult to take Take each episode as it comes. Right. And you're not a binge watcher really either. So I imagine no. that like, while it was short and easy to binge watch because they were only 11 minute episodes, 10 minutes, not including beginning and ending. It still is a lot of content to take in at once and follow. Yeah. So I watched six episodes. Then I watched the other four today. Mm-hmm. Um. So I, so I did end up breaking it up and I probably would have watched it all at once if it was cut into a 100 minute movie right um but all all that to say this is very good like genuinely very good content like there are some parts where like if you're not a fan of cartoons like it's it's pretty cartoony so if that's not your thing then you probably won't enjoy this as much but if you do this is 
top tier. Mm-hmm. This is high quality. Um, I think it does a very good job at having an underlying mystery that doesn't take the center stage the whole time, right? Because this whole series where there's this mystery about this thing called the Beast. And, uh, you know, because the first episode, Wirt and Greg bump into Christopher Lloyd in the woods. And Christopher Lloyd is like, there's a beast out here. And they're like, whatever. And then they get attacked by a beast, remove the darkness from inside of it. And um, they're like, oh, pff, we got the beast. And Christopher Lloyd is like, you didn't get the beast. And uh, that's kind of like the mystery of the whole thing is like, did we get the beast? What is the beast? What is Christopher Lloyd's relationship with the beast? And that's kind of like touched on almost every episode, but we really don't get it until, you know, episodes nine and 10, which I think is really cool. And I really thought it was interesting that we don't even find out how Wirt and Greg got into the woods until episodes 9 and 10. Yeah, and even then, it's, like, super vague. It's, like, is this kind like, it almost gave, like, was this all a dream vibe? Yes, that is exactly what I got. I was like, hmm, was that all a dream? But I feel like they wouldn't have cut to the woodsman again if it was a dream. Right? Exactly, yeah. So, so it, it's very like they were mysteriously put there and they were mysteriously taken out, which I'm a-okay with. Mm-hmm. And because I don't like... I don't like wondering if it was a dream. Just let me know if it was or not. And I think that us having that shot of the woodsman at the end, I'm comfortable saying it wasn't a dream. It was just weird. Yes. Um. So the second episode is the whole like pumpkin head I love that episode. That episode's where, probably yeah, one of my I, favorites. I like that episode a lot too because it had like it was a very good blend of like we have we still have our idea in mind but we're gonna have some fun along the way. You know this is where we meet Beatrice and um, they're taken to a town of skeletons with pumpkins for bodies and you know <laughs> it's just fun. It's just fun. Would you enter a barn full of mysterious pumpkin people? Okay, well, for, uh, well, I'd be hard pressed to enter any barn to begin with. Well, if you like approach the barn, right? You're like just walking up to it because you hear stuff going on in there and you peek in and there's pumpkin people dancing around. Are you entering? Well, the the short answer is no. Good. Because now is that time of year where like I, there are photos on Instagram that's like um, people do photo shoots like this. They will carve out pumpkins and put them on their heads. And like people do photo shoots with that concept. And I'm like, this is super cool. Not for me, though. Appreciate it. Love it. Love to see it. Gross. <laughs> Maybe if there's like one or two, I wouldn't enter, but I'd be like, okay, they're just doing a photo shoot. But if there were a lot, I'd be like, mm, this is culty. I got to go. Yeah. Yeah. Would, <laughs> now, how much <laughs> would you would you put a pumpkin on your head? How much would it take for you to put a pumpkin on your head? Oh, I'd do it. It's not that gross once you clean all the guts out. Okay. Mm, uh, yeah, I'm not a fan of cleaning the guts out either. So yeah, that's because you have icks. I shut up. <laughs> if somebody gave me a cleaned out pumpkin, I'd probably wear it. Now, if you don't know me, I am incredibly visually impaired. So I feel like the pumpkin would not help with that. I would need 
I would need to be guided everywhere. Well, everybody does. Like, it, it, you have no peripheral vision. You literally can only see right in front of you. And that's like if you're holding the pumpkin at the right angle. Yeah. I'm glad. Listen, it's the thing where I'm almost glad that there were skeletons in there and not just people. <laughs> Makes sense. It just reminded me of when we put my nephew in a pumpkin last year for Halloween for his little uh, baby Halloween I think, pictures. Yeah, I think I remember those photos. That was super cute. Um, uh, what I'm, there was another episode when I, the defining episodes for this, I think were, you know, the first two, then the frog boat. I loved that (laughs) one too. And then like the final two. I yes. think are like the defining ones. Yes. And not and listen, not because the frog boat has anything important happen during that episode. But there's a it, frog and he's singing. But there's a frog and he's singing. It's a boat full of frogs. It's so good. And that was and you could tell that that episode was just like, this show is already weird. Let's just double down on it because the frog grows to be person size and no one questions it. And then when they're off the boat, he is frog sized once more. No questions. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and, and like, and that's fine. That is totally fine. If you establish your show to be weird and abstract, I'm not going to question stuff like that do what you want um but <laughs> just like the, the line the president's naked yeah <laughs> yeah and like you could and the only thing that did kind of frustrate me a little bit is like they spent a lot of time talking there is no way they they should have gotten caught they should have gotten caught way sooner than they did oh, because absolutely. while they were because while they were on stage Nobody is singing. Nobody is playing. And like, Wirt has like the whole trench coat open. Yeah. <laughs> and and like, again, not that big a deal because it's a frog boat. But I, it happened for long enough where I needed to at least point it out. Well, I think it's because all the other frogs were like, don't interrupt the music that they're yeah. about to play. They were getting mad at the cops and were like, ha, no. I will say Greg Drum is funny. <laughs> it's super funny. I love I loved Greg Drum. I love Greg's character as a whole. Like, he had so many great one-liners. Like, I am going to start involving or, like, including O-Beans into my vernacular from now on. Just O-Beans. Oh, for sure. Um, Greg Drum is good. Uh, candy, the infinite candy pouch. That's fun. (laughs) Again, you know, that was written for convenience, but it's, you know, the show doesn't take itself too seriously. So infinite candy pouch on board with that. Um, uh, the, the, the fact that his whole costume was an elephant but it's just a deep pot on his head. That it, it, like and the and um when they're in the graveyard and Greg is like, "All right, I'll distract them by what I think he says like by being like being a dying elephant or something like that." And he goes out like 20 feet away from the crowd and then start starts lifting the pot off his head <laughs> and he just goes, "Woo! Oh my I'm an <laughs> elephant. I enjoyed that a lot. Um, uh, 
And when this show uh, got serious, I think it did a very good job at that. I agree. When when Greg was trapped in the tree and um, Wirt was... The, the sequence where Wirt was confronting the beast and mm. Wirt is like, oh, this is your soul in here. Like, that was like almost kind of chilling. Right. And he's and he's like taunting him with the lamp, like almost blowing it out. Like that mm, that was a very good final confrontation. When Wirt finally stopped feeling bad for himself and like it was all about him. Uh, yeah, it. it's just uh, th- I understand why this show is a tradition for people. And the um, music, the music, yeah, the music is fantastic. All is so fantastic. Yeah, um, you know, good music, good aesthetic. Um, if I watch this on a yearly basis. I'm skipping episode three, but that's just my personal taste. <laughs> um, oh, also, I, um, uh, what was that? What do they call it? Like Cloud City? Not that Star Wars. Um, <laughs> the the part where Greg is like dreaming and he and he wake and there's like yeah, yeah, the yeah, yeah, welcoming yeah, yeah. committees. I don't like know what that. it's called, but yeah. That was very cute. I I liked all of that. Yeah, that was super um, cute. And then, you know, that's where we find Wirt's backstory, I guess you would call it. Kind of, yeah. Um, yeah. So just lots of, lots, there's a lot of good stuff happening here. Um, I'm glad I finally got around to watching it. Me too. Uh, did you have any final thoughts? Uh, the, I just, I always forget that it was like, it, it was a... Uh aired sorry i always forget that it was aired in like 2014 like yeah this baby's old now yeah like i always think that it was like way sooner than that with how much people still talk about it so like knowing that it still goes on so strong is kind of cool it's very cool also, Elijah Wood, he's very good as Wirt. Yes. Um, just the cast is very good. Um, it has kind of like, um, you know, very adventure. T- I don't want to say very adventure time type humor, but like, I, I know it's blunt and quick with its comedy. Right. Yes. And it doesn't go so far as to make like gibberish words, but there's a lot of stuttering. There's a lot of, you know, like very like um, straight faced sarcasm very like oh duh moments um this show is very quick and smart with its humor and it is appreciated throughout the entire show the humor is us if we got lost in the woods oh for sure it would be like (laughs) it would just be like normal banter then we'd get upset at each other then you would get upset at me specifically and then we'd go back to banter and then you know it'd just be a cycle of that pretty much (laughs) So I think I want to give this like a seven and a half. Yeah, I was there's give it a lots seven. of good stuff. Lots of good stuff. Um, I I would. There is a magic in the miniseries in the in the medium of a miniseries. So it's difficult for me to say I want more of this. But I I think that if there was another, if they were able to take another shot at this, I think that its shortcomings could be vastly improved. Which you know there aren't that many of them, and I think that you know if we had gotten the eighteen episodes or you know a second season or something like that I, I think that having a second shot could have really like refined what they were going for yeah but it's also one of those where i'm just like i'll take it for what it is yeah yeah totally i i agree i i very much appreciate what it is so and like i think that we as a culture 
need more miniseries, just in general. The fact that every show is workshopped to have a second season is like, I think is kind of detrimental in and of itself. So miniseries, I will always give like a thumbs up for. Um, But yeah, seven and a half for this. Yeah, I'm going to give it a solid seven. All right. Well, that wraps up our Halloween spooktacular. Next year, next year, I'm going to put myself in an environment to be spooked. I promise. It's got to happen. Listen, I I watched all of Halloween's mo- I watched all of October's podcast movies at 11 a.m. in the in the daytime. Blah. So so I um next year I'm going to try to spook it up a little bit more. But enough about this month. Let's talk <laughs> Let's talk about next month. Next uh, month is our Adam Driver month. So we're going to be watching a bunch of Adam Driver movies next month. We are in this order. We're going to be watching Marriage Story, Annette, House of Gucci, and The Last Duel. Um, Obviously, two of those movies are theatrical releases. So um, we're going to do our best. You know, normally Small and Tall is like all spoilers all the time. But for those two movies specifically, we're going to uh, try to reel back on the spoilers. So if you want to just listen to it and, you know, get the vibe of the movie, we'll make sure to do that. But we're going to try our best. So who knows how, how well that'll actually go. Yeah, um, we'll, we'll let y'all know. Yeah. We'll let so y'all know. That, that's. That's kind of the plan moving forward. Yes, indeed. (laughs) I'm so excited for it. Anyway, I'm Bug and I'm Small. And I'm Craig and I'm Tall. This has been Small and Tall. Thank you for listening to our Halloween Spooktacular and we'll see you next month. Bye. Have fun. Be safe. Make your choices. Adios.